What is up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. And we are fresh off of a, uh, a really, really nice little break that we had, didn't we, James? Indeed. We, we had a nice little day out in uh, London in, in the UK. We haven't done that for a long time. Many no. years, in fact. No. No, it's this little thing called COVID that's kind of been stopping us. This is very true, very true indeed. But uh, it was nice to have a day out. Yes. And indeed. was very different to our usual days out in London because we went quite a few different gaming locations. We to, did. To check them out. We did. Um, and one of them really stood out to us yes. quite a bit to the point that we actually would like to give that particular place a bit of a highlight episode here today. Yes. So those of you in the UK, this is... Uh, this is mainly for you, but obviously this is, it's about a board game cafe, so, you know, it kind of has resemblance around the world, because it's not the only one in the world, obviously, there's there's quite a few of them, but there's a particular, yeah, there was something about this one that really stood out to us, wasn't there? Yeah. So yeah, we're going to be talking about that in, in just a little bit, obviously Paul will be here a little bit later to talk to you about this week's crowdfunding, gaming news, and all of that local jazz. But yeah, should we uh, should we jump straight in and talk about this uh, very lovely little venue? Yes, awesome. So the venue in question is called the Bad Moon Cafe. Now it doesn't necessarily immediately ring true to be a gaming cafe. However, that's exactly what it is, and a very sizable one, should we say? Uh, from my limited experience, I would say it was a sizable mm. one. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been to a fair few of them, and, and I would say this is probably in the region of some of the biggest. Obviously, one of the other ones we went to during the day was absolutely gigantic, um, but we didn't actually get to sit down and play any games there. We just had a, a very flying visit because they were fully booked. Yes. So uh, that one will be a future endeavor, I think, to, to go to that one. But yeah, the uh, the Bad Moon Cafe, it is in the SE1 postcode area of London. Um, not too far away from London Bridge in Elephant and Castle. So uh, I, I actually have their website here, James. And um, as a first reaction to this, I'm going to read out their mission statement and, and see what how you feel about it. Our mission is to create an inviting, comfortable and enjoyable experience for tabletop gamers in London. Our venue is spacious, well lit, and we have a large selection of food and drink on offer. Our staff strive to be friendly and welcoming. Would you say that they uh, mastered all of them ideals? Uh, in a word, yes. Yes, yes. I I would have to concur with that, James, because, I mean, we turned up fairly late in the day, sort of for half past four or five, uh, possibly even a bit later. But uh, yeah, it was it was sometime around then. So we, we got a good few hours in the uh, in the location, which was good. Um, what what things stood out to you? Um, first of all, it was packed. Yes. I mean, we, we've already mentioned we went somewhere else and we couldn't game because mm -hmm. they were fully yeah. booked. We were very close to that when we went to Bad Moon. Yes. So it was really nice to see that just a venue packed with gamers mm, enjoying yeah. themselves. Yeah, agreed. And much less than two. I mean, for for, <laughs> for context, the other one we went to was Drafts in Hackney. Mm. Uh, but uh, as I said, we want to go there again in the future, so we're not going to say much else about that, other than the fact that yeah, it was packed and it was really, really great to see. Mm. But yes, when we arrived at the uh, the Bad Moon Cafe, it was pretty full. I would actually say that it was full. 
and we were lucky enough to sort of be able to get a couple of drinks to to sit outside and just have a chat. Yeah. At which point, a few people had had finished their games and they were getting up and leaving. Yeah. Um. So we managed to get some games in, but yeah. I mean, it was nice because obviously there was alcoholic beverages that we were able to consume. Yes. And as I drive in London for a living, I did not drive on my day off. So therefore, I was going to enjoy said mm. adult beverage. Yes. <laughs> um, nice selection of beers. Yes. I, I would definitely say there was there was a couple of very locally produced ones as well yep. that I saw. And I've got a few... Uh, Bits and bobs on their website that explains what they have. So we, we can run through all that a bit later. But it also has a shop built into it, James. What would you say about that? Yes. Um. So from what I could see, the shop side of things was very heavily war game. Mm. Speci- yeah, specifically Warhammer yes. leaning. Yeah. Um, so that must be their business centric area. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. did have, this is the other thing. It's like not only did they have lots and lots of tables for board gaming there were what 12 15 12 to 15 warhammer tables oh yeah set up yeah, easily easily uh, like which that, which yeah. was great and a lot of those were in use as well i wouldn't say they were all in use but at least most of them yeah yeah at least three quarters in use which again was very nice to see mm-hmm. didn't see much on the actual board game selling thing but they did have a well-stocked board game library. So. They did indeed, yes. Um, again, I, I didn't count up while we were there how many they had because mm. obviously there were people playing them as well. Some tables had multiple games on them. Mm. Um, but checking the website, it says in excess of 150 games yep. um, with a, a few listed. Uh, and we're not talking really, you know, sort of box standard, ticket to ride, pandemic and all that. They were... Yep. The likes of Star Wars Rebellion, Scythe, um, obviously the, the staples like Wingspan and that were on there as well. Yep. Um, I saw Operation Flashpoint, Azul. I mean, there was what at least three copies of Azul on there as yes, well. So well, very we, popular. We, we had one of them. There we were did. at least two on the shelf. I, I might have even been more because I'm pretty sure somebody else was playing it. I'm pretty sure they were, yeah. We also <laughs> uh, managed to play Tokyo Highway, which was yep. uh, really, really good. That was our both of our uh, first times playing that, so that was very good. And another thing, and we, we didn't partake in this though, James, um, and I, I think I can say I do regret it to a degree, but the food the food yeah we didn't partake in the food because we'd had a rather large lunch uh let's be honest which was we were still full from oh indeed yes. um uh, shout out to the hard rock cafe there oh yes, <laughs> yes. and the wings oh the, yeah, wings. the wings um <laughs> but anyway back to the board gaming <laughs> yeah uh but they had a good selection of food it is a place that i can honestly say you could spend all day in there if you're an oh, avid yes. gamer they do food, they do drink, they supply games. What more could what more could you want, Jason? Well, exactly, exactly. And it makes my job very, very difficult because it happens to be in an area that I happen to work in in London. And now, mm. you know, it's it's very tempting to to sort of just constantly go there. Yeah. They're not a customer of ours, but I, I do feel like I, I need to check in there every single day. I, I feel uh, that a business card might be, you know, just... <laughs> oh, yeah, well, yes, maybe. Just maybe, indeed. <laughs> Another thing that is duly noted is not something that affects us personally. However, we do have friends that this would affect, and that is the accessibility mm. of the site. How would you say that fared? Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's pretty accessible from the street, and there it was quite. There was quite a lot of space actually. All the the walkways, if you like, were easily wide enough for a wheelchair users. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
or you know for anyone with disabilities i would say yeah uh, no, yeah I so uh, uh, good for accessibility um yeah i i can't really say i, I noticed anything wrong with it especially around the outside as well mm. obviously it's all very flat around there there's not a, a particularly hilly area which mm. is a good start yeah some um, parts of london you'll find that the paving is a bit meh but yeah again um, i would say that I'm, was pretty good yeah because even for the public transport um london is london bridge step free i can't remember I'm elephant and car- sure is, Ele- elephant yeah. and castle definitely is because it had the lift yes yep uh because it's a deep station and the other one that's nearby is borough i can't comment on it was closed yes uh i mean that's um that is something that we probably should talk about if you are going to it via public transport as we did mm. uh borough station is hands down the closest because it is literally maybe two three minute walk uh, at most however until may of this year i believe that part of the the line is closed yeah over that london bridge as in the network rail yep. underground that is maybe 10 minute walk at a push i would say elephant and castle is about the same distance about halfway between the two yep i would agree yep uh, I mean, Elephant Castle is where we actually went on the way there mm. and managed to get ourselves lost because well, well, some idiot wasn't looking at the Google Maps. Not so much lost as we blitzed straight past it because <laughs> we were having um, a king-size moan session about a job we both used to do. Oh, yes. We were too bit distracted by that that we might have walked past it. We did indeed, and we first figure out we walked past it when we turned up at the uh, the closed underground station. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, how did we get here? <laughs> well, turn around and walk back, but yes. So there's three very, very well-connected uh, public transport things. There's also a lot of bus routes around there. I do not use London buses, so I will not claim to know which ones you need to get. However, being close to London Bridge, there's going to be tens, you know, if not into the hundreds of uh, of different bus services that service that area I, I was just thinking jason you know we didn't do we, we we totally did it on purpose we didn't blatantly walk past it we wanted an accurate count of how long it took to get from borough station well, yes, to the shop exactly. therefore in the name of science we did it <laughs> indeed indeed you know if if what you're listening to with us have how to get there is terrible instructions which i would totally agree with they do have very handy instructions on their website, which are far better than we could ever do. I think uh, it's a good reason that we're we're not uh, reviewers of public transport. I think James. <laughs> stick to stick to what you know. Yeah. So opening times. One thing that's always really really good for board game cafes um, is late opening, and mm. they are no exception to this. We were there. I think we eventually left around the nine p.m. mark. Yeah, just um, after. Just because we were we were getting tired from being in London all day and it was time to head home and we have at least an hour and a half's train journey to get back. So, But they are open till 10pm Monday to Saturday. Uh, Monday to Friday they open at 2pm but on the Saturday they open at 10am and Sunday they open 10am to 6pm. So they are a seven day operation. Mm. Very friendly staff. I don't really think there's much more we can say about the business itself. I yeah. think maybe we can talk a bit more about our personal experience there, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we should segue. You've, you've provided a nice segue then for just how friendly the staff were. Um, they were welcoming this pretty much the instant we walked in the door. They were very accommodating when they were because they were very busy when we mentioned that we like to play some games. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kept us up to date. They let us know once we 
purchased our beer and gone outside they sort of kept us in the loop if tables were opening up and that is yeah, very yeah. very attentive considering the workload there must have been on because it was a very busy evening yes, yeah I was very impressed with that. Yeah. And any questions that we did have while we were there were, were answered with no quibbles at all. Mm. You know, uh, we never mentioned that we would be doing anything like this because at the time we didn't have the intention. No, of doing we decided that. to do it the day after on the Sunday, really, didn't we? We, we did, went up did. on the Saturday. We sort of went, well, you know, we enjoyed it so much. We should do an episode on it. Indeed. Yeah. And that moves us on to the games. James, the games library, mm. how difficult was it to actually choose? Because this is your first experience of a proper, full-blown board game cafe, isn't it? Yeah, the fir- first proper one that I've been to. And the library was really easy to navigate. Everything was labelled up so you knew play accounts of games, what kind of game it was, you know, strategy, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was really easy to just sort of sit there and go, well, I want to play this. I've got this many players. Here. there it is yeah <laughs> yeah that that's very very true indeed i mean i'm just sort of looking at their their board game list mm. uh, online it's nicely categorized uh, alphabetically on here but yeah you've got things like betrayal at house on the hill as we mentioned azul avalon uh concept they even have chess you know mo- moving further down the list i mean god forbid they they had a couple of copies of monopoly but <laughs> you know board game cafes have to do that we yep. have to accept it has to be done but yeah munchkin warhammer 40,000 my little scythe so there's stuff there for the kids as well from what i remember they had full blown scythe as well mm-hmm. the likes of splendor various forms of ticket to ride there there is literally like i said over 150 games in this library so that's a really great selection we only had times for a couple of games while we were obviously observing other things that were going on and you know cuz we just tend to do that i think now now that we have a bit more of an insight into the business, shall we say? Mm. Um, do do you did you find yourself sort of having a bit of a reviewer's mind going on of going, oh, I might have done this or or something like that? Um, I can't honestly say I was in that mindset because I was enjoying the place too much. Um, as my first proper experience of a proper board game cafe, mm-hmm. it was just yeah. like, oh my god, this is amazing. Yes, <laughs> I love it here. <laughs> And to to further on from your comment earlier about the staff as well, we actually got approached by some of the gamers themselves mm. as well, uh, which is not unheard of, granted, but it is another sign that the community there is very welcoming yeah, and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, we were just sat there having a chat amongst ourselves and people coming over and asking if we would like to join their games. How were we? You know, where were mm. we from? All that kind of stuff. So yeah, really great community there as well. Yeah. And like I said, when we when we arrived, there has to have been a good somewhere between thirty and fifty people in, in that building. Which I, gives you a rough scope of shops. So I mean, I would say probably more than that if I'm honest. Mm. But yeah. So it's, it's a good ballpark figure. Yeah. So yeah, fair size. Mm. Fair size this cafe. I I do regret I didn't take any photos while we were there. However, next time we go back, and we will be going back, mm. I will be getting some photos so that I can actually show these on, on our Instagram and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. uh, Anything else that you want to bring up about our time there? Um, just a bit more mention, I would say, about the wargaming tables is all the scenery was painted. Mm-hmm. It's um, The boards were themed. They were pre-set up. Uh, but everything was painted. Everything looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, they had at least three display cabinets, I think yep. I counted, yep. of 
fully pa- I don't I, I can't say whether they were store miniatures or whether they're displaying uh customers like, armies customers and... armies and stuff but three cabinets of fully painted miniatures was very nice to see yeah yeah would agree there's far too many uh too many stores hobby stores where it's just cabinets of gray plastic yeah or still on the sprue or still on the sprue yeah certain places but yeah i i as someone who i I wouldn't say prides myself on scenery and stuff like that but it is something i think is very integral to any war game it was so nice to see really nice themed tables that were fully painted yep and more importantly well looked after yes because none of the scenery was damaged Inte- you know unless it being intentional damage to make it look damaged mm. it's it's almost as if like yeah you can clearly see that the players have respect for the for the equipment that they have on site and obviously the the staff there do their bit to to keep them at a high standard for their players as well so yeah that was that was really great to see i would happily go down i'd happily take an army with me next time to to have a game on one of their tables yep very nice scenery indeed. It even gave me some inspiration. Yes. Didn't it? Because I ended up buying some scenery. Yes. Um, that, I suppose, is also worth mentioning as well. We have already mentioned that the, the shop side of things is heavily counted towards Warhammer. Uh, now, with this slight disclaimer, I am out of the loop. I haven't bought Warhammer for a while, but from what I could see, very reasonably priced as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I, I mean, they weren't full retail. They, nope. There was definitely a discount off of that. Very, very reasonably priced. They had they didn't only cater for a Games Workshop. There just was a very large mm. collection that they had. To be honest, probably more so than most Warhammer stores. branded stores. Yeah. So I'm incredibly impressed with that. Big thumbs up for me on that one. And I'm pretty sure our local 40k players would love oh, yeah. to see something like that. So, again, just scrolling through their website a little bit, they have an events section. It looks like they do hold regular events for various different types of games, including your card games, war games, all that kind of stuff. It seems to be pretty loaded. Uh, looks like Wednesday night is a, is a very heavy MTG night, which seems to be a pretty common thing around the place. Uh, but short of that, it's just turn up and play. There is a booking section, should you wish to go down and, and play, and you don't want to do what we did with the other cafe and just rock up yeah. to find that it's full, I would advise booking a table in advance. Overall, I I really enjoyed this. You know, we had a good conversation on our train journey home yeah. about the store, yeah, uh, about the cafe and what we loved about it. And I can safely say, hand on heart, I don't think there was a single thing that either of us mentioned that we disliked no, or that we would even change. Yep. It was literally spot on. I'm very, very impressed. And I have already recommended this to many, many people. I've got a fair few friends that do live in London that are starting to venture into the, the tabletop gaming era, you know, um, avenue. And I've sent them sent them to the uh, the Bad Moon Cafe. So hopefully they'll check that out very soon and we'll get a an independent review back from them. Mm. But yeah, what else can I say? I love this place. I recommend it highly. If you live in London and listen to this, like I know a lot of our listeners do, definitely check yep. out the Bad Moon Cafe. I'm, do you know what? I'm going to get you the exact address, and we're going to we're going to fully give out all that kind of information. They have a Facebook group, so I would avidly say go and like and share and all that kind of stuff on that. I will put links to that in the description as well. It is. 
The address is the Bad Moon Cafe, 159A Great Dover Street, London, SE1, 4GZ, for those of you with your Pratt Navs. As we've said, if you are going by public transport, we've given you a rough idea of how you would do it, but I would just say go to their website, which is just badmooncafe.co.uk. On the opening page, it tells you how to get there. Yep. Far better than we ever could. With some great pictures as well. There are some fantastic pictures on there, so do please check it out. Don't just believe what we say. It's a really great place. Yep. Anything else you want to say about it, James? Uh, no, I think you've covered all the bases there, Jason. Um, but yeah, just to echo exactly what you said, it's a fantastic place for anyone who is in London and fancies board gaming. Definitely check it out. But short of that, guys, have any of you actually checked out the Bad Moon Cafe? I know at least one of you has because you're the one that recommended it to us in the first place. So big thank you to Jason for that one. Not me. <laughs> I didn't recommend it to myself. <laughs> I saw your, your frown there, James. <laughs> I know who you talked about. <laughs> so, yeah, big thank you to Jason for that one. It was a really great suggestion. We will happily be going back there again. But, yeah, any of you guys checked it out, let us know your thoughts and opinions. Have we been totally wrong? Are we 100% right? We would love to know. Let us know on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, links to all of those, and the Bad Moon Cafe's various uh, social media platforms will be in the podcast description. Over to a man who knows quite a bit about board game cafes because he frequents them quite a lot. When we let him out. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Time for the weekly news and kickstarters, James. Over to you, Paul. It's been a pretty good week, hasn't it, Brian? I mean, we've had a bit of a tidy up. I mean, you finally tidied up your nest. I mean, everything feels just right, doesn't it? Everything feels how it's supposed to be. I mean, sat here with you, staring up into the clear night sky, wondering about all those people out there in the world. And all the stars in the sky, with all the planets circling them. And to those we can't see, and all the planets circling them too. The sheer vastness of the galaxy and the universe beyond. And do you know what springs to mind as we're sat here contemplating the sheer expanse of space? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Where's the bloody shed roof gone? I'm sure it was there this morning. Come on, how do you lose track of a sodding roof? Right, you go look for it whilst I get this news sorted. Right, push the button. A remake of Libertalia, the classic pirate-themed board game, has finally been confirmed to be coming from Stonemaier Games. Details surfaced in October 2020 that a trademark application was made by Stonemaier for the name Libertalia. The trademark would allow the owner to use the name Libertalia for board games, tabletop games, equipment sold as a unit for playing board games. This comes after Paolo Mori had acquired the publishing rights for the game from its original publisher, Marabunta, back in 2018. The trademark application also coincided with a progress report from Stonemaier Games, which listed a game under the codename of Sale being in development. Rumours abound strongly indicated that Stonemaier Games would be releasing a new version of Libertalia in the not too distant future, with those rumours turning out to be very true. 
Unlike the original, which presented players with the familiar setting of pirates vying for treasure and loot in the Caribbean, Winds of Galecrest transports players to a more fantastical world populated by flying ships and sky pirates. The players are all part of a pirating collective whose greed serves as a constant obstacle to them working together to earn loot. Each player takes control of their own sailing crew and must decide which member is going to be in charge of collecting the day's earnings, with certain crew members taking priority over others. Whilst Winds of Galecrest will feature an entirely new setting and artwork, created by Murder on the Cosmic Express artist Lamaro Smith, as well as a new reputation system that's designed to break ties between players, Jaluxe-style loot tokens, and a solo game mode, but it will still be based on Maury's original design, with the creator being listed on the front of the game's box. Libertalia Winds of Galecrest is set to be released sometime in the second quarter of 2022. Rawson Marshall Thurber, the writer, director and producer of Netflix film Red Notice, has joined the production of the upcoming Dungeons & Dragons TV series as its creative overseer. Responsible for creating Central Intelligence in 2016 and Skyscraper in 2018, both including the ex-wrestler turned actor Dwayne The Rock Johnson, will take the reins of the TV series based on the popular role-playing game, writing and directing the hour-long pilot episode, as well as being its executive producer. The live-action TV series produced by Hasbro, the tabletop company that owns several notable studios, including D&D 5e publisher Wizards of the Coast, as well as the TV and film studio E1, which is also set to make a television show based on the classic family board game Cluedo, or if you're in America, Clue. In November last year, the president of global television for E1, Michael Lombardo, revealed that the Dungeons & Dragons series would serve as a jumping-off point for a number of scripted and unscripted shows based on the fantasy RPG. We don't want it to be just one show, so we are building out, said Lombardo. We're developing out of a multi-pronged approach for television. As well as the upcoming TV series, Dungeons & Dragons is set to be adapted into a feature film from Paramount. So far, the cast of the D&D film consists of Wonder Woman actor Chris Pine in the lead role and Hugh Grant as the villain, with Michelle Rodriguez, who is best known for the Fast and the Furious film franchise. The D&D TV series is yet to receive a release date or indeed a confirmed cast list, with a D&D film set to be released on March 3rd, 2023. The Funko Universe is a Marmite one. Whether you love those cheeky, funky, characterised versions of IP'd characters, or indeed not, they do still keep churning them out. With a recent delve into board gaming territory with the Funkoverse line, it shouldn't be any surprise that more expansions, and indeed standalone expansions, are in the pipeline. What happens when you take adorable pop culture referencing figures and add in a sprinkle of board games? That's right, it's the Funkoverse. Described as an action-packed strategy game featuring generally easy-to-pick-up-and-play rules and possible to combine different universes into a single game, it just goes to tell you that the franchises joining the likes of Harry Potter, Game of Thrones and indeed the Golden Girls are indeed Peter Pan, 
and Universal Monsters. Firstly, we're off to Neverland, you know, Neverland. Second star to the right, straight on till morning. Play out the ongoing conflict between Peter Pan and the nefarious Captain Hook, with these two the characters contained within this duo pack. Battle across the deck of the Jolly Roger, through the Lost Boys treehouse, or among the waves in Mermaid Lagoon, in this standalone set that's going to set you back about 1999 when it comes out sometime this summer. Not to be outdone, the second set sees the classic Universal Monsters lurching onto your table in the form of the Vampire Lord Dracula, the Bride of Frankenstein, the Creature from the Black Lagoon and the Invisible Man. Become the horror as you complete scenarios across thrilling and chilling locations for £30 when it too is released this summer. And over onto crowdfunding now. First up this week on Kickstarter is Monsters and the Things That Destroy Them by Vigor Games. It's for 2 to 4 players, it's going to take 5 to 15 minutes to play, it's for 10 years and over, and it ends on Friday, February the 18th. Monsters and the Things That Destroy Them is as portable and easy to learn as Love Letter and indeed Coup. It features bluffing and strategic planning that players with creativity and deductive reasoning will love. There's multiple unique sets and cycles within the game, so once you know the rules for one set, you know the rules for all the sets. The game plays best with two or three players, but can support up to four. It's a memory and bluffing game featuring monster cards from classic literature, plus some modern ones like Hunk Vampire and Teen Wolf, and the neutralizer cards that can destroy them. Each monster has an ability, such as triggering the top card of your discard pile. You don't play cards from your hand, you take cards from a four card pool and trigger the card as you take it. At the end of the game, players discard down to their best two cards with neutralizers then destroying their corresponding monsters and the player with the best surviving combination of cards wins. The first pledge level is for the print and play set and that's £7 or $9. You can get the physical base set with the print and play files for the expansions for £12 and $15. Get a physical base set along with a physical expansion and print and play files for the other two expansions for £19 or $25. Or get physical base game and expansions for £26 or $35. That doesn't go to say that you can go all in for the full physical set with expansions together with sleeves and a collector's box for £34 or $45. Next up is Last Resort by Brain Crack and Lucky Duck Games. It's for 1-4 to four players, it takes 60 minutes to complete, 12 years and over and it ends on Monday, February the 21st. This is yet another game that's hit my radar from a local designer down here on the UK's south coast. Well, it's 2142 and facing budget cuts, the National Office of Space Exploration Yields, or NOSY, has advertised the sale of one of their more troublesome space stations throughout the galaxy. Seeking your fortune in the growing astro-tourism industry, you acquire one of these stations and ignoring the dangerous malfunctions, start to transform it into your very own space resort. Your plan is simple, build attractions, advertise it galaxy-wide and rake in quids, or quantum universal intergalactic denominations, the accepted currency of all space resorts until you have enough money to put into a big 
pile and swim around in. Or you know, whatever really rich people do nowadays. Quid is generated not only by checking out tourists, but also competing to be the highest in each of the four prestige categories. Thrills, entertainment, relaxation and inspiration. Unfortunately, you're not the only person doing this. There's such a thing as competition in space capitalism and broadcasting the same adverts as your opponents will confuse customers and hurt your margins, resulting in malfunctions on your station. But at the end of the game, the winner is the player with the most quid. One-way ticket gets you the game and a promo card for £25. VIP ticket pledge gets you the game, promo and the expansion for £39. Or go all-in, where you get the game, promo, expansion, sleeves, poker chips, Tourist Bay and 3D print files for £69. And lastly, over on Kickstarter again, is Chang and by Dear Games. It's for two to four players, 30 to 45 minutes to play, 14 years and over, and ends on Monday, 21st of February. During the Tang Dynasty, Chang'an was one of the largest cities in the world. It was a cosmopolitan urban centre with thousands of travellers exploring it. As an important urbanist, compete against other players to build the best districts of Chang'an and to get the favours of the court. Chang'an is an engine building and resource management card game where players as important urbanists will carefully project their plans by placing cards on top part of their personal boards and to produce resources. Then they will move their cards into the city districts to build amazing buildings and to welcome influential characters in the neighbourhood in order to renew and improve the commercial, military, scientific, production and political fields of Chang'an. The game may be played in many ways according to the part of the city you decide to develop and the management features you decide to explore. Use different decks to make a different game every time play. Combo systems and game variability are important features in Chang'an, with the game ending as soon as a player gets nine or more cards built in the districts of their city board. The player with the most victory points will be declared the best urbanist of Chang'an. Pledge at £26 for the base game, Silk Road expansion and all unlocked stretch goals, or go all in for the base game expansion and upgraded components, including unlocked stretch goals for £41. And with crowdfunding over, we're heading on over to events. Just a reminder that Alan and Dungeon Crawley crew are back for their game day on Sunday the 20th of February from 10am through till 6pm, with the location being the 1st Langley Scout Group, 34 Lark Rise, Crawley, RH11, 7QQ. Just £5 ahead for the day with tea and coffee on tap. And Mid-Sussex Meeples are back in action the week after on Sunday the 27th of February. The location is Cypress Hall in Cypress Road, RH158DX. Day starts at 10 and will run right through till 6. £5 ahead as usual with tea, coffee, squash and biscuits on tap. In February we have some interesting things planned with full details as plans are finalised over on our Facebook group. And on to the weeklies, Wednesdays has Crawley Gaming Community being hosted at the newly revamped store, the comic shop in Crawley, tending to gather from 6ish onwards until close, £5 for the evening with plenty of snacks, drinks and even pizza for purchase if that's what you wish. Thursday sees three groups running in the form of Worthing Board Gamers down at the Ardington Hotel in Worthing from 7pm. Dave is over in Lewis with Lois Board Games Club and the Trinity Gaming Cafe from 7pm through to 11pm. Also, Jake and Chris would like to welcome you to Dyson Drinks in Burgess Hill 
for their Thursday evening social. Crawley Gaming Club, as always, are there for you on Monday evenings over at the Tilgate Community Centre from 7pm. And a further heads up for the next Wednesday, the 16th, being Brighton Board Game hosting board games at the barn. Anthony and Charlie would like to welcome people to the barn from 7 through to 11 for just £2 a head for members, but with your first visit being free. The address is the barn, West Dean Green, Dean Vale, Brighton, BN15ED. As with everything at the moment, things can come unstuck at any moment. So stay posted to the socials for the groups, just in case anything has to change last minute. So Brian, did you find our roof? How many doors down? Right, we better get going and pick it up. Say goodbye to everyone. That's a goodbye from me. Keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week. Thank you very much for that, Paul. And thank you guys for joining us once again for this is our, I suppose it's our very first non-game highlight. It's a business highlight, really, It's a business, it? well, yeah, business highlight slash review. And it's the first one we've done because it's the first one we've had the opportunity to really go to. Indeed. I mean... <laughs> Granted, I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, why didn't you do your own friendly local game store first? And we probably could, but at the end of the day, we're going to be incredibly biased yeah. towards that because, you know, it's where we go to play games. And Plus, you know, Aaron will hurt us if we give him a bad review. Well, he will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aaron will tear us apart. So <laughs> we love you, Aaron, very, very much. <laughs> but yes, I, I, I genuinely feel passionate about this. Like, we didn't go there with this intention of, of doing a podcast on it however it was that good that it really made us feel like people need to know about this and we do have a lot of listeners in london so we do apologize to those of you that aren't in london but you know we have a lot of american listeners americans do like to come to the uk <clears throat> london is where everyone goes yep it's worth it if you are on a day out in london we're not saying you need to spend the whole day there while you could mm. definitely yes. go down there even just go down there for some lunch they are a great place to be. Yep. And we hope to be back there very, very soon. But short of that, guys, have you got anything else you want to say, James? No, I think we've done everything there. Just, again, echoing what you said. It's like, yeah, for anyone, whether you're visiting the UK and you're in London or you're just coming to London for a day out, if you already live in the UK, definitely check them out. Mm -hmm. Even if it is for lunch or just a quick beer to yeah. have a look at the place but it's or a coffee because they coffee. have a full yep. bone barista machine in there as well so it's it's good coffee yep very good coffee indeed yeah definitely check them out we're gonna head off now guys because we got some games that we need to play as well as drink copious amounts of coffee because that's just what we do thank you very much for joining us till next week my name has been jason and i've been james and you've been listening to the meeple minded podcast join us next week for more tabletop gaming goodness Ta-ta, goodbye.